in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It said, for I do not want you to be ignorant. Um, what a powerful choice of words, the word ignorant. Uh, when you hear that word today, that's not a very positive word, right? I mean, if you hear somebody on TV debating something that does not align with your political views, you say, they're so ignorant, right? And ignorant basically means you really don't know what you're talking about. Or maybe you think you know what you're talking about, but the truth is you're lost. You have no idea what's taking place. And so when you think about that word that Paul is using where he writes, for I do not want you to be ignorant and then he says, of the fact, he says, he's basically saying, I want to tell you something that you may not know or that maybe you have forgotten. Um, for example, do you know there's all sorts of laws in our country that I bet many of you are ignorant about, okay? So for example, um, you can't wear, I mean, you have to wear your seatbelt when you are driving. Did y'all know that? Okay. Obviously, I didn't know that because I recently got pulled over for not wearing my seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, pray for me. Um, it just happens sometimes. Now, most of us know that rule, right? Most of us know that law. But did you know in certain states, there are some laws that you probably do not know? So, for example, uh, uh, there is a law in Alabama that Georgia Kate Lineberry does not know, okay? And I've already talked to Georgia Kate. She's at the beach this week, and I told her last week, I was like, I'm coming after you. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, but on Facebook, they posted a picture of her. It was career day at her school. And she dressed up as the lead pastor of Greenwood Hills Wesleyan Church. Some of you put on there, hey, Pastor Matt, she's coming after you. I don't appreciate that, okay? I'm just joking. But listen, did you know in Alabama that it is against the law to impersonate someone of the clergy? And that you could do jail time and you could also pay a $500 fine, okay? I'm looking at you, Jim Chi, all right? No more impersonating the pastor, Here's another one that you may not be aware of. In Idaho, what, ha what goes on in Idaho? Anybody know? What do they make there? Wrong. They grow potatoes. Okay, they don't make them. Come on, folks. All right. So here's something interesting. Okay. There is a city in Idaho that it is illegal to throw snowballs at people. Okay. Uh, some of you wish that that was illegal in, the, in, in North Carolina, right? Now, it's not just wrong to throw snowballs at, for fun. It's wrong when you throw a snowball at someone or someone's property with the intent to do damage, okay? But that is against the law. Such a person could do possible prison time for that. Kansas, okay? Those of you who love water fountains, it is against the law to go swimming in the water fountain. In Maine, okay, you cannot skateboard on the sidewalk. If you do, you will be fined a whopping $10 charge. 
Doesn't that just want you to be like, you know what, I'm going to rethink skateboarding. $10 fine. Then you have Mississippi. Those of you that have whining children in church services, this is for you. Or those of you who leave your cell phones on during church service, this is for you. In Mississippi, if you, disur- if you disturb a church service, you can get yourself citizen arrested. Okay? <laughs> so don't let that happen to you here at Greenwood Hills. In Thomas's favorite state of Iowa, it is illegal to sell fake butter. Okay? They take their butter serious there, okay? Okay? And then in North Carolina, let me give you one that many of you may not know. This may be applicable for some of you. If you play bingo for more than 10 hours per week, okay? You have to go to a bingo exhibition. Otherwise, you are in violation of the state's gambling laws. Okay? Can I just emphasize that we as Wesleyans do not encourage gambling. And if you're playing bingo, I'm not worried about you getting arrested as much as I am about my church members out gambling. Okay? So I do not want you to be ignorant. There's a lot of laws and things that we may not know that we're ignorant about. There's also rules and stuff that we may have known in the past, but we forgot. Or if you're like me, there's rules and laws out there that you know exist, like putting your seatbelt on, but you knowingly break that law. Okay? And there's a price to pay for that, right? There's a price to pay for that. And so Paul was writing to the Corinth church, and he's saying, I do not want you to be ignorant about a fact. And this fact is something that many of the people had forgotten about. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 again, as Rachel just read. And I want you to pay attention to what the apostle Paul is saying. Hey, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Don't miss this. So he writes, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. So what is this that he is not wanting us to be ignorant about? Okay, One, he's wanting us to not be ignorant about the history of the Israelite people. But he's also not wanting us to be ignorant about something else that I think is much more applicable to today. And that is that it is very possible to receive the blessings of God, but not be in a right relationship with God. And I think Satan often uses that to confuse people, 
to the point that sometimes people think, oh, well, God's blessing what I'm doing, so that must mean that I'm in a right relationship with God. But if you look at the Israelite people, God was blessing the people not because of they were in a right relationship with him, but because he is a faithful and loving God. That no matter what the people did, okay, what the Israelite people did, he was going to continue to be faithful. And I think that Satan often uses that against us today, knowing that God is going to continue to be faithful to us, loving us. I think Satan often confuses us by making us think, hey, I'm in a right relationship with God because look how blessed my life is. But the warning comes in verse 5. These Israelites who had lived in the blessing of God did not inherit the promised land, did they? In fact, it says their bodies were scattered all over the desert. So it appears that what Paul is warning the church in Corinth, and when we read it today, what it is warning the church of Greenwood Hills and whoever else reads this passage, is that, folks, it is very possible for us to be receiving the blessings of God but not be in a right relationship with God. And so this morning, as we look at this passage, I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, not how is God blessing me, but what is my relationship like with the eternal God? Okay? So let's look a little bit about these covenant blessings that Paul reminds the church of Corinth that the Israelites had. This is what he wanted the Israel, this is what he wanted the church of Corinth to know. Paul says that he wanted the Israelites and the church of Corinth to realize that the, the Israelites had received these blessings from God. What were these blessings? And he gives a list of them, okay? He writes that the Israelites were under the cloud. Do you remember when the Israelites had left Egypt and they were going to an unknown land and, or going to the promised land? And as they're going, something is leading them. What led them by day? A cloud, right? And what led them by night? A pillar of fire, okay? And so while Paul was stressing to the church of Corinth is, is here are these very disobedient people who are still being led by God. They're still being led by God. God, in the midst of the people's disobedient acts, continues to lead them. Not only does he lead them, but he leads them as they pass through the Red Sea. You remember this story? Where they come to a section of the Red Sea and Moses reaches out his staff, the, the sea parts, the Israelites go through the Red Sea. Once they get to the other side, the Egyptians are on that path. And what happens? The water comes in and kills the Egyptians. Folks, who caused the Red Sea to part? Was it Moses sticking out his staff? Who was it? Who caused it? It was God, right? And so here again, and those of you who will remember, 
At that point, as the Israelites were leaving, when they come to the Red Sea, they start complaining, don't they? Oh dear, now you've brought us out here to the desert to be killed by the Egyptians. And they're complaining, they're disobedient. But what does God still do in the midst of disobedient people? He still parts the Red Sea for the disobedient people. Why? Because he is a faithful God. Then it goes on and it says that they were baptized into Moses. Now, what does Paul mean by baptized into Moses? Does this mean that Moses went out there and literally baptized them and they came back up? No, that's not what it means. What Paul is stressing is, is that they were under the leadership of a very godly man. That is a blessing from God. That not only did they have God leading them, but God had placed his man in front of the people to lead them and to direct them where to go. So even while they were complaining about the man God had chosen to lead them, God continued to bless them with a very godly man named Moses. And then it says that they ate the same spiritual food. Now let's just test our biblical knowledge for a moment. What is this spiritual food that came down from heaven? Anybody know? Manna. Okay, so here are the people complaining again. Out in the desert, we're going to starve to death. You've brought us out here to the desert to die. Moses goes and he prays to God on behalf of the people, and God provides bread from heaven for the people. Once again, in the midst of the people's disobedience and frustration with God, God continues to bless them with bread from heaven. Then it says they drank from the same spiritual drink. You will remember as they're continuing through the desert, they're about to die of thirst. They drink some water and it's bitter. And they call out to God and God says to Moses, strike this rock. And when Moses strikes the rock, the rock splits and what comes out? Water. So here again... A very gracious and loving God who you would think by now has had enough of the people continues to bless these people who are in a horrible relationship with their God. Notice it is not a God who is in a horrible relationship with the people. It is the people who have a horrible relationship with their God. Yet God continues to bless them. Which leads us to the last point that Paul makes. And he says the spiritual rock, which is Christ. And this makes so much sense for the New Testament church. Because suddenly they see, you know what? In the midst of all of these people's disobedience and anger with God, God, Christ himself, was the one who accompanied them. And if you look at it in much more detail, it's almost as if the people who are living in a horrible relationship with God constantly say, we don't want God anymore. I'm we want to go back to Egypt. We, why did you bring us out here? And they're always wanting to steer off from that, from that relationship with God. 
but it says Christ accompanied them, meaning Christ was with them. And even as they tried to steer off, he was offering them grace, trying to draw them back to himself. Christ accompanied them. So here is Paul's point to the church of Corinth. The Israelites experienced God's covenant blessings, yet their lives did not please God. Is that possible today? That we are experiencing the covenant blessings of God, but our lives are not pleasing to God. Now ultimately, as faithful as God is to these people, there comes a time when God says, you will not enter the promised land. There comes a time when the line is drawn in the sand and God says, no more. I'm going to give you what you desire. You don't want me, I will give you what you desire. And Paul makes this point by saying, those people who kept wanting to steer away from God, even though God was so gracious to them, those people who wanted to continue steering away from God, God finally says, okay, I'll give you what you want. And he said, their dead bodies are scattered around the desert because they did not enter the promised land. Now, if we look at that from a New Testament perspective, we would have to say for the church of today that there are people that are experiencing the blessings of God, but their lives are not pleasing to God. And they may think that they are in a right relationship with God, but they may never enter the promised land, that being heaven. And that is the warning that Paul was making with the church in Corinth. He's saying, folks, let me warn you here. The Israelites experienced the blessings of God. You're experiencing the blessings of God. But make sure, make sure that your life is in a right relationship with God, lest you be like our ancestors who never entered the promised land. Folks, that is a warning to me, and that is a warning to each and every one of us that we must seek a right relationship with God. I'm going to share a concluding story with you. Some of you may remember this runner. Some of you may have never even heard of her. But her name was Marla Runyon, and she gave her all gave everything she had to qualify for the Olympic Games in 1996. But her best finish time as a runner for the United States team just came a little short and she didn't make it. Most of us, if we had tried, most of us would probably say, well, it's just not meant to be. I'm not going to train another four years. I'm just going to move on with my life. I've got to support my family, whatever. She did not give up. So in 2000, in the year 2000, she returned, and this time she made the Olympic team that went to Sydney. She finished eighth place in the 1,500-meter race, which was the best any United States woman runner had ever finished. The thing that makes Runyon's accomplishments even more remarkable is that she is legally blind. 
She is legally blind. When she finished her running at the 2000 Sydney Olympics, she realized her time was up for that specific sport, so she started something else. And she started a career where she started running marathons. And in 2002, she posted the second fastest debut marathon time ever by an American woman. And someone is interviewing her about her blindness and how she's able to accomplish everything she is doing. And she writes, or she says, I can only see shapes and blurs, but that does not cause me to have a lack of vision. She says, it's actually an asset. I just focus on the finish line in front of me rather than looking around to see what other runners are doing. She says, not having visual distractions helps me to compete and win races. And I read her story and I thought, Paul talks about how life is a race. And here he's giving warning to a church that's saying, hey, folks, here's a warning. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted and pursue things that's not going to help you have a right relationship with your God. Some of these things may be appealing but they will only lead you off to the right instead of leading you closer to the finish line, which is Christ himself. I'm going to ask Pastor Thomas and the band to come up. And it's just very simple this morning. I want to, I want to have an altar call for, for those of us this morning that are thinking to ourselves, you know what? I have experienced the blessings of God. And by the way, there's not a single person here who's not experienced the blessings of God. Just like every Israelite experienced the blessings of God in the desert, some of you may be in the desert right now, but you're still experiencing the blessings of God. Okay? So there's no doubt we've experienced the blessings of God. We're running the race. And it's easy to get distracted. But can I challenge you to come and pray to God today to God and say, God, I, I acknowledge you have blessed me. But please help me not fall into the temptation that's going to lead me somewhere where I do not have a right relationship with you. And so as we, as we sing, just I invite you to come, pray to God, say, God, help my relationship with you to be right today. In Christ's name.